the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. A lot to get to today. Reminder, our full college football playoff national championship game preview, Georgia, TCU, all the different angles, the keys to win, the matchups to watch, and of course our best bets. That's going to be coming up Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. We will tack a little bit of information here as we got some availability from both of the coaches and some of the players letting us know important information that will go into our handicapping. Uh, We'll get into that. Uh, Also, Tom Fernelli has ranked he ranked every single bowl game before the season. And then you know what he did? He ranked every single bowl game after the season. Uh, so where did Tulane's epic comeback against USC fall in those bowl rankings? We'll be telling you uh, a little bit later on. But, gentlemen, we have to begin with one of the fastest moving trains that I've seen in quite some time. Because on Saturday, Michigan loses 51-46 to 46 in the Fiesta Bowl to TCU. Just an absolutely epic game. Historic in terms of the Fiesta Bowl, highest scoring game. The third quarter was absolutely bananas. Michigan heartbroken that they once again uh, lose in a bowl game and once again lose in the college football playoff semifinals. That was on Saturday. On Sunday, NFL.com lists Jim Harbaugh as someone who a lot of NFL teams, the Denver Broncos among them, are, quote, doing homework on. That was on Sunday. On Monday, The Athletic comes out and says, sources close to Jim Harbaugh believe that he would take an NFL job if offered, with, quote, done deal included in the report. Again, if offered. And then Tuesday a report that Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper has already talked to Jim Harbaugh. We are four days removed from Michigan's season ending, and we have already accelerated this thing to, wait, and remember, it doesn't count as an interview. I mean, Danny, you can maybe speak more to this as an NFL analyst as well. I know there's a lot of machinations that have to go through this, but um, 
like Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh has gone from coaching in the college football playoff semifinal to now very much on the radar of all these NFL teams. And it comes one year after he has said that the Minnesota Vikings flirtation was a quote one time thing. Is this where are we at with Jim Harbaugh? Do you think he is coaching the Wolverines in 2023? Yes. How confident? Pretty confident. I mean, Ooh, okay. I, the, the one, like the reporting is, and Chip, you and I have talked about this, sources close to Jim Harbaugh. Who are the sources close to Jim Harbaugh? Because Jim Harbaugh doesn't talk to anybody. But just if you look at the situation with what happened with the Vikings last year, depending on who you've talked to, he interviewed for the job. He wanted complete control of personnel and all that stuff. He wanted to be the head coach at Michigan, but of the Minnesota Vikings. He, from his time at San Francisco, the way things ended, it was just kind of a breakdown between him and the general manager, and he just didn't want to deal with it. He, did, he didn't feel like he had enough of a say on who the team was getting. He, they were just giving him the players and telling him to go you know, do it comes back to Michigan, has complete control over the roster. He still wants complete control of the roster. The only job I think will give him that would be Indianapolis. So I can't say it's 100% because who the hell knows what Jim Irsay is going to do. This is a guy who hired Jeff Saturday straight off the ESPN set to come be his head coach despite having a bunch of experienced head coaches on the staff when he needed an interim. So it might happen. I just don't think Jim Harbaugh, I don't think he was lying last year. I think he's willing to listen. And yeah, if an offer comes and it gives him full control, then maybe he'll say yes. I just don't think that offer is going to come. I don't think that model really exists in the NFL anymore. It is ever going to exist again. So I think he's going to be back at Michigan. I think he'll probably say something this week. I mean, I think they're kind of on vacation right now after losing on Saturday. And Jim being Jim, he's not going to just come out and say I'm back until he's ready to be back to work. Harbaugh apparently told Queen City News yesterday, this is after David Tepper uh, reportedly reached out to him, that's the owner of the Panthers, I believe, uh, quote, although no one knows the future, I think I will be coaching Michigan next year. Uh, if this is a leverage, right, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's non-committal language from a guy who said this this will not be an annual thing, right? And it is turning so far into an annual thing. Now, how much of that is Jim Harbaugh's own doing? I don't know. Uh, Which that is his agent. Right. Yeah. And he does have an agent now, whereas last year he did not. So I, that to me does perhaps signal that that he wants out, but I don't know that. Uh, it also could just be a leverage ploy, right? Can Harbaugh, like they finished ninth in recruiting and last year 13th. They're not really cashing in recruiting wise their on field success as much as they could be. So maybe this is a leverage play, probably not to get more money for Jim, but it may be like, hey, can we can we get more involvement with NIL, right? Can we can we do certain things here differently to be able to compete on an annual basis for you know the, the five stars for the top one hundred kids? What do you maybe, mean by they're not what do you mean by they're not cashing in on the recruiting? Like they could be doing better than they are on recruiting. And I do think that his Can annual, they? I think so, yeah. Michigan, with its academic requirements, you think they could be doing better than ninth? You think they'd go after the kids that would get them first? I, I do. Well, first, maybe not, but but like there there is a way they, they could move up, and I think it would be to use NIL more as inducements, like basically every other big-time school out but there. you got to get the doing. kid in. I don't think this whole, like, can't get into Michigan thing is as true as it is at like a, 
a Notre Dame or a Stanford or, or Notre Dame. I don't think it's at Notre Dame or Stanford, but I think it's a lot higher academic requirement than the schools that are typically finishing above Michigan in the recruiting rankings. Like Ohio I, State. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, so, I, I disagree a little bit. I, I mean, look, Rich Rod got some very questionable academic kids in there. And right? how quickly did they get him the hell out? Sure, because he wasn't a Michigan man. Jim Harbaugh is a Michigan man. If you give him the exactly, and that played a role in it. <laughs> he also wasn't winning. I mean, yeah, like, right. If you can win with those guys, then I think they wouldn't have had any problem with it going forward. So I almost, I think it's very interesting because I think if you went back, you know, a little, a little under a year ago, signing day when he goes to Minnesota to take this meeting, um, and by all accounts, he was going to take the job. Right? Didn't we all think that? And then he it's kind of embarrassed because he didn't get the job that he thought he was going to get. So obviously there's interest there. What? So I think like going back and hitting the same talking points, I think a lot of college coaches, and this is almost, I think exactly what I said a year ago was I think Jim Harbaugh is a purist that loves college football that he's, and he's a Michigan man that wanted to come back to his school mm -hmm. and build up the program and have the same vibes and the same good feelings when you come on campus and you walk to the practice and all that good stuff that comes and student athletes and you don't have to deal with the egos that you have to in the NFL and guys with contracts and, you know, dealing with guys with that make more money than you. But all of a sudden things have rapidly changed where you do have to deal with egos and you deal have to do have to deal with guys making a ton of money. So I still think that aspect is there. What I also, I think this is a big difference because I think there's a different aspect here is, and I don't know if like he got a five-year, $36 million extension, right? That was, that was the reworked contract after last year. There is a coach in his state that is a rival that has a $95 million contract. And I know there are different terms in different years, but this could easily be a leverage play. Let me make them a little bit nervous. Give me my hundred million. Let's because I mean, I'm sure Jim Harbaugh remembers his own fan base saying, man, we need to make a change. And he had to go ask for a pay cut as part of negotiation that I'm sure was uncomfortable. So I'm sure there's some of that lingering where he's like, all right, you guys were willing to make me take a cut. I want to make sure I'm at least competitive with the coaches that I'm competing against. There's some there. And I also think it has to do with what both you guys were saying before about you know, NIL and getting players in and coaching staff and making sure that everything is competitive with everybody out there in the landscape. I think oh, it's going to be both. I do think he's probably interested. I mean, I don't think he would, he, you know, and it's the only place he has leverage because I don't think anybody believes he would go anywhere else besides Michigan. I do want to point out, I said they were ninth this year and 17th last year. It's actually reversed. They were, they, they, they were ninth last year and 17th this year. So just, just to point that out, um, wasn't uh, they could wasn't certainly Bill, be better than seventeenth. Wasn't Bill Pogie the guy that left? Wasn't he a big part of the recruiting arm of the Michigan staff? Yeah, and he just got a guy to commit from the All American game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, the now Charlotte head coach Biff Pogie. Pogie. Yeah, that that was interesting. Um, look, I, I I agree that maybe it's a leverage play to get money. Maybe it's a leverage play to get more involvement with with NIL. But to Danny's point about some of these coaches don't want to deal with this, a lot of them don't have the option, right? A lot of these guys are are where they are because they are good at college coaching. Nick Saban sucked in the NFL. Urban Meyer was a disaster in the NFL, right? The main difference is that Jim Harbaugh is an NFL coach coaching college football. Like, there's every reason to believe he would probably be pretty damn good again. I mean, roster dependent, obviously, if he went back 
to the NFL. But a lot of it, like Dabo wouldn't do well in the NFL, right? Nick didn't. Urban didn't. I mean, do you think Kirby Smart would be a good NFL coach? I don't. Like, there's ah, just a eh, – maybe. Like, you don't have every single advantage in terms of like a, a million polo shirts and, and you know, snap your fingers and get everything you want all the time. Harbaugh's actually done it. In the NFL, you have this thing called a salary cap, which is a huge leveler of the playing field. Maybe he just wants to go back to the highest league. Well, that's that was the thing from the Detroit Free Press. When he went out and talked to them after the Vikings flirtation on natural, National Signing Day, <clears throat> he said that it was chasing football's greatest championship, which is the Super Bowl. And I think the reason why NFL franchises are coming around is because the man was 44-19-1 in the only sample set that we have of him as an NFL head coach. He reached the Super Bowl. He reached the NFC Championship game twice. His only track record of, okay, like we imagine what Kirby Smart might be at the NFL. Harbaugh has something, and it is a high level of success. As you mentioned, Tom, the bottom fell out pretty quickly. A lot of that, you could say, was a lot of butting heads uh, with the uh, the general manager there in San Francisco. He also had kind of the the perfect off-ramp for him to go take as his mm -hmm. alma mater, Michigan, opens up one of the best jobs. But as long as all of these teams are going to be, quote, doing their homework, I mean, this is going to be an every off-season type thing. I just don't think that hey, – there was a, a reader who reached out and was – very upset, Michigan fan. You know, believing that there's uh, a lot of like reckless, you know, journalism that in in terms of trying to pass along these reports. But if reputable sources such as the NFL insiders and someone like Bruce Feldman at the Athletic, if they are all moving this train along, then it is only our job as we're discussing college football to, to try to say, okay, so. Like, what are the aspects to this? Yes, college football is changing. You know, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, would this technify? Would this be a Costanza? By the way, you beat Ohio State twice, win the Big Ten twice, and then you just sort of walk it off. Does that <laughs> qualify? As I, I don't have my PhD in Seinfeld, but is it is a pretty nice note to go out on to have a winning record against Ryan Day. So, yeah. I, you know, but potentially involved there. But it's it's just we are just passing along what is one of the most dominant conversations throughout college football in this dead week as we wait for the national championship game. I would just add, you know, you, you gave the quote, Jim, saying he was going to pursue the greatest championship in football. You still sure that's the case? Because on Sunday, the 8-8 eight and eight Jaguars are playing the 7-9 and nine Titans for the chance to play for that Super Bowl. And then the 8-8 eight and eight Packers are playing the 8-8 eight and eight Lions for a chance to play for a Super Bowl. Are we sure that's the most, the greatest championship in sports? Oh, just boy. Wondering. Here we go. Here comes <laughs> the guy that wants to go back to two games in the BCS era. If we're going to do this, yeah. doing the year where CBS does not have the Super Bowl makes a lot of sense. So, like, I'm, oh, I'm, no, yeah, do it. Let, do let's it have the a year. debate this year because next year, mm-mm. Do it at the year we have the Super Bowl, so that way we can make sure we actually get good teams in the Super Bowl instead of a freaking mediocre-ass 500 team that got hot. How would a Michigan fan feel if Jim Harbaugh takes the Colts job, gets entire control of personnel, and drafts C.J. Stroud? Pissed. Oh, You think so? Hey. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Not, not about the C.J. Stroud, but I would guess a lot of Michigan fans will be pissed if he leaves for the Colts, yes after he said he was coming back last year and it was just a flirtation. Okay, so does this flirtation at all shed light on what he thinks about McCarthy as the as a guy who can take them to the national title? No, my if I'm going to do projecting, my reckless projection is more about football, the college game in yes, general. Yeah. Cuz yeah, McCarthy played pretty good. I mean, he had the pick sixes, but like I thought he showed a side of himself bringing them back and putting them in a position to win the game. 
that we hadn't seen, you know, because they didn't have to. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think it's much more about philosophy. I mean, this is a hardcore, old school, you know, football guy. I don't think he likes dealing with college play. I think that was one of the reasons that the yeah. NFL got old for him. And that's where I think it's interesting. Like he wants to jump back into that, but I think it is about the structure at least that's there. The unregulated aspect of college football is driving coaches nuts. I think Jim Harbaugh would write in that mm-hmm. category. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't like he likes dealing with <clears throat> brands and all that, but I, I, I think, think that's I think that's driving him nuts. I think like it's along the point of what Danny was talking about earlier too. Like this is a guy who has said, you know, the human body craves physical contact. He is somebody who truly and genuinely believes that playing football is good for young men. It helps mold them as people and all that kind of stuff. He believes in that, and that's his philosophy. That's why he was always drawn to the college game to begin with, because it's also, like Chip said earlier, the pure aspect of what college football is to him and what it's supposed to be. And I think that in this era with NIL, with the transfer portal, if he's getting any itch to go back to the NFL, it's because he feels that the college game is kind of losing that and is becoming more professionalized anyway. So I might as well just go back to coaching professionals if I want to keep doing this. Okay. How long can he sustain this? I, I shot a little short. If you guys check out our, our YouTube page, we have, we have a short section there. I mean, 17th in recruiting coming off back-to-back Big Ten titles and playoff like playoff appearances is, is poor. Like nobody at Michigan should be happy with 17th. They, they – even to Tom's point, like have they ever been number one? No, but they have been top five. They have been, you know, top eight. Seventeenth is not good enough there. I do wonder, like last year when other teams were hosting Junior Days in February, Harbaugh was interviewing with the Vikings. Like, how long did that reverberate? And now, like you seem like you put it to bed, but it's come back up again. If I'm recruiting against Michigan, I'm telling all these kids Harbaugh won't be there to coach you four years, much less one year. Man, it's just not going to happen. Like he every time. After every good year, he tries to leave for the NFL. Like, that's what they're going to face in negative recruiting. And for a certain number of kids, that's going to resonate. So now is where we get really reckless, really, really reckless. Okay. Because this is an entertainment product, and there are very, very few journalistic standards when it comes here to the Cover Three podcast. We are talking about a sport we love. So if, 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 if Jim Harbaugh is gone, what happens with the Michigan head coaching job? Who are the names that would appear on the wish list? And who would get an interview? Who would get a look? Who might end up as the next head coach for the Michigan Wolverines if Jim Harbaugh does, in fact, go off to the NFL? Urban Meyer. Oh, please. (laughs) Got to give him a call if you're Michigan. That's who you need. What if Bill O'Brien gets rehomed at Michigan? Jimmy Sexton is, is, is like a wizard if that happens. I mean, just <laughs> he wow. is. I mean, the yes, man he is a wizard. Magic. Yeah, <laughs> there, there's no way that, no. that Bill O'Brien's get, get, getting that job. Um, I, here's one that I would call, and I think you got to make him say no. Luke Fickle. See, I was thinking that too. Like when this was starting, and we were trying to just figure out like a coaching candidate list. I was like, man, do you think Luke Fickle saying to himself, "Shit, I jumped a couple weeks early." <laughs> Uh, there's a lot. I mean, that there are so many examples of that throughout all of the coaching carousels Dion throughout Colorado time. Instead of Cincinnati. <laughs> so, what are the is Matt Campbell has? Because there was a time when we were like photoshopping Matt Campbell in maize and blue. 
right? I mean, th- mm-hmm. there was a there was a period where Jim Harbaugh was entering the 2021 season after taking a pay cut on a potential hot seat. Iowa State flying higher than it's ever been in its program history. And we were like, if, if Michigan's open, Matt Campbell's the name. After finishing last in the Big 12, though, you know, just a couple of points away from not, is, is Matt Campbell's stock, stock price too low for that to happen? No. I think Matt Campbell will still be a name in the mix. Also, but, but going back to Fickle, I don't think Fickle would take the Michigan job, honestly. I think that there's just too much Ohio State-Michigan there for him to really to it. But I think Campbell would definitely be a name on the list. I know that they're coming off of a down year, but he still ticks a lot of boxes for what they want as far as experienced Power 5 head coaching. You'd have to... F- have to surround him, you know, with some recruiters because at Michigan, you can't really recruit the same way they've been recruiting at Iowa State. Like, you could be a developmental program, but it'd be nicer to develop five and four stars instead of three stars. Um, another name, I think, is somebody that could be in the list. I don't know how Michigan fans would feel about it. P.J. Fleck. Danny, why'd you screw your face like that? I don't know. I was surprised Bud was nodding in approval. No, I mean, he's gimmicky, right? Yes, but But the results. He would, right. Like he consistently wins. I think he would dial back the gimmicks some or at least alter them to fit what you do at Michigan. And at the beginning, Harbaugh was gimmicky as hell. Harbaugh was sleeping over recruits. Sleepovers, (laughs) ripping his shirt off. They did signing with the stars. It was like, like that they took the team to Rome. They covered, Mm -hmm. they covered spring. At IMG, right? Like they, they took their spring camp to IMG. At Michigan was was gimmick you for like the first two years on, on, under Harbaugh. Like they did everything to get attention. I don't know why PJ Fleck couldn't work there. I, I he would have to change some of the things he does. Right? You can't sell this underdog stuff repeatedly yeah, to to Michigan fans, like to Michigan players and Michigan fans, because you, if you're doing it right, are bringing in top ten classes and have elite players. I think he could work there for sure. And the offense he runs is closer to Bo Schembechler's than the one Harbaugh's been running. <laughs> Who is the, uh, don't you think this would be almost, I mean, and we're, the names we're talking about, who is going to wow Michigan fans? Cause they view themselves as we are above. We need, you know, we need a, we need a higher when we look at the Michigan men mantra. That's what I was trying to think back. Is there another Michigan guy? I don't know. I think I got- if you poll, if you poll the fan base, the most popular name among you know, like the guy who maybe not win the majority, but the plurality would be Sharon Moore, the offensive line coach, because he's a Michigan man and they would rather promote from within. He's been an excellent recruiter. And I do think if Jim Harbaugh leaves, because Harbaugh has said he thinks Sharon Moore is ready to be a head coach. I wouldn't be shocked at all if Moore is does end up being the Michigan coach if Harbaugh leaves. Yeah. I'll throw one more out to you. Mark Stoops. He's a Midwestern yeah. guy. He wins all the time at Kentucky. He has a really good proven track record of hiring people. Now, he did kind of last year's OC hire didn't work out, but I mean, for the most part, good at replacing coaches, a proven winner. There's some upside to be had there. And I think very little downside overall, like the guy wins. And so, also the OC hire doesn't work out. So what does he do? He doesn't right. give him a second year. He's like, all right, we're going to get another OC in here. That's always nice. Uh, other names. I think that maybe, I mean, I think Dave Doran is somebody who would be considered for this job. He's got these, Spent a lot of time in the Big Ten already. He's, you know, we've seen what he's done at NC State. Maybe he's getting kind of itchy to leave. And then another one. You went from a guy who's not exactly the most social, friendliest person in the world. What if you went and got yourself a nice guy? What if you went and got Shane 
Beamer. Ooh. Given it's how their transfer is shaping up in Columbia, I like if Beamer wanted to jump, now would be a really smart time to do it, I think. Saying he's um, he's a recruiter, he's energetic, he's had some success there at South Carolina really quickly. So you mentioned the wow the Michigan fans. Help help me remember when Brady Hoke was hired, was was that a wow? Like Mm-mm. you know, Rich Rod obviously was at the peak of his powers coming off West Virginia, but it for the most part, and we haven't had a lot of times where the head Jim Harbaugh is the only wow hire they've ever had. Okay. I mean, like you got to think when Lloyd Carr and Bo and those guys took that job, it's very different sport, very different kind of, you know, atmosphere around it. I think Rich Rod was a surprise. I don't know if it was a wow. Um, Michael in the chat, I thought had a great suggestion. He's could Elko parlay his first successful year at Duke into a Michigan job. I don't know if that's the case, but I think he'd be a great fit. Ivy league background, you know, bit with success at Duke, you know, I, I think it'd be a great fit. I don't know if it would wow Michigan fans, but I think it'd be a really good, I think it'd be a good suggestion. Another name from the chat that was pretty popular would be Kansas State's Chris Kleiman. Mm-hmm. Got to think that stock price is uh, about as high as it was. it's going to be. If you're going to introduce Chris Kleiman as your next head coach, it's nice after they are coming off a, a Big 12 championship. But, oh yeah, go ahead. Are we sure that... that- that Rich Rod wasn't a wow hire. I mean, they, they did beat out Alabama for him, right? I, I thought it was whole, a like, wow Rich hire. Rod, Rich Rod's wife didn't want to go to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> it they, was they, splashy. It, it was, was splashy. definitely yeah. splashy. That's what I'm saying, because he had West yeah, Virginia I guess, as, like, yeah. top three team. Like he, that was, like, he was riding really high and like offensive innovator. All those things were kind of coming with him. I, I, I'm basing this off of my own anecdotal evidence of the Michigan fans I was friends with at the time who were just kind of like, huh? So... Um, <laughs> Again, the job doesn't change hands too often. It's not like they've mm-hmm. got, you know, they, they're not like the Tennessee fans out there who've got a lot of examples that they can compare themselves to, both good and bad. Hey, let's power rank our last five hires. We only have to go back 12 years. Um, speaking of Tennessee fans, Tennessee fan in the chat, Jordan Maiden, uh, who is our producer, Dave Aranda. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I could see that. Yeah, the, after this year. I think it'd be a good, good hire. I just, again, like, is he cooled off somewhat? I mean, he's had two losing years and three at Baylor. It's, I don't know if that's a fair way to put it, but it'd be, you got to sell it. And two of his three seasons have been losing seasons. I would say on the Dave Doran thing, just circle back on that. If he didn't get Nebraska and he didn't get Wisconsin, and I do think he wanted those jobs, I don't think he's going to get Michigan. Like, he, Michigan's he did, great because you, you make a bank, like, you make bank. But you don't really have national title expectations. The expectations are largely like compete with Ohio State. You know, oh, when Michigan really fans lose, expectations are more about graduation rates, right? Scandal free, like you know. Since the, you went to non-leather helmets, Michigan has one shared national title. Like you're mm-hmm. like they don't have the same level of expectations administratively. Maybe some, maybe some of like the awesome fans that watch our show do. Their administration does not have Ohio State level expectations. So. You're going to make a lot of money, and you can coach there for a long, long time. Like it's Ooh. that's kind of what makes this a really good job. You See? think you can coach there a long time and not win championships? Yes. You. If Jim Harbaugh, Boy Carr never won. Yeah. Uh, he won in ninety. Boy did. Didn't they just churn through Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez? Didn't they churn through them? Yeah, but that, they, were they, weren't winning, they weren't winning the Big Ten. If you're winning the Big Ten and competing for the Big Ten, you can be at Michigan for a very long time. Right, but that's a very that's not easy to do to go past Ohio State every single year and Penn State. No, it's not. It's not. It's never going to be easy to do it. But if you're doing it, that's why you're going to be there forever. 
If you're you not, Big Ten you're going to get the hell 10 out. years and coach here 10 years? I think so. I don't know. I thought you guys made it sound like you could coast to eight or nine win seasons every year and you're just going to be, everybody's going to be happy. With that non conference schedule, like if you if you don't win at least eight games, that that's 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 an embarrassment. They don't play anybody. Here's, here's the other thing: the, the playoff is going to change the calculus in all of this because we've the way the way we grew up, our age group. I mean, I know, like I sound like an old man when I say the national title is not the most important thing to me. The national title did not really become an important thing until television really got involved and created the BCS in 1998 and made it the most important thing for the most for a hundred years. Nobody really gave a crap about winning a national title. If you got voted by number one in the poll, awesome. We're going to put it on our recruiting thing, but we really care about beating our rival and winning our conference. Now that the playoff is becoming more of a thing, maybe winning the big 10 won't be enough. Mm, Got to get into that playoff. And by the way, Jim Harbaugh has lost six straight games in the postseason and they aren't firing him anytime soon and they've never had a lead in a postseason game oh or, I mean, in, in, in a playoff game mm-hmm. oh well that's just two i mean sorry not, not yeah oh, oh, oh wait, did they have did they have the lead in the orange bowl in 2016 did they go three nothing oh you're going 20 when they played florida state yeah i remember that being a back and forth game i don't have a yeah I, it was back and forth i'm trying to think if they ever actually took the lead i just remember renegade fell down in the pregame oh yeah I thought they were definitely. I thought Florida State was going to get blown out. I'm like, this is a bad omen. <laughs> yeah, the, you were there. I'm, yeah, yeah, I was covering yeah. it. I had video, like my cell phone posted it. It's like, oh, this isn't good. Uh oh. Well, I know that was that was more um, showing the some end. anonymous, some anonymous, because I was pretty hard on um, who was the Michigan defense um, that sat out the game. I forget. Who oh, it was. Jabril Peppers. Remember Jabril this? Peppers. The broadcast harsh on him not playing, and yeah. some Michigan number that said he knew me and knew Jabril Preppers was irate at me, like texting me really angry messages. How can you disparage this young man and all this stuff? And it's like, all right, whatever. I I talked to a couple players on the team that said he could have played. Like, yeah, and it was like now, and it's what's crazy is Six now later, it would be like, a non-story. Like, yeah. yes, no. Like I think the coach was mad it was gonna hurt his draft stock. You know that was the big the big thing. You're gonna kill his reputation. Now it's like now he might have missed the whole season. And yeah. Michigan fans pretend like he would have like hawked down Dalvin Cook. I was like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think we see how that played out. Yeah, right. Rene- Renegade falling down was more uh, a, <laughs> an omen to the end of the era. It's like it's been yeah. a nice run. That well, is true. This, That's this a good point. Is, I never thought about is, that. It's wrapping up right now. Put it uh, out to stud. <laughs> is so, there anybody we're missing here that we like outside the box type stuff? Uh, so, so everyone we've given, except for the in-house coordinator, is that they're not going to hire a coordinator from like the Jim Leonard or somebody like a name that's a hot, you know, offense for they're not going to go that route, are they? I, th- I mean, it depends. It's like if it's going to be – I feel like this is – I don't even think this is just a Michigan thing. I think this is a Big Ten SEC thing. If you are going to hire a coordinator, it has to be a coordinator from one of the playoff teams because the salaries that the SEC and the Big Ten have to pay their head coach now to be competitive or at least be within line with the rest of the conference, you can't really go for the young up-and-comer who was making four hundred grand as an offensive coordinator somewhere. You know what I mean? You have to go with the guy who's already getting close to seven figures at his current job. One last one to throw out from a school that wants to get in the Big Ten to a school that is in the Big Ten. Do you look at Dan Lanning? 
Yeah. Like he was the hot coordinator last year. He killed it this year at Oregon. They're recruiting really well. But my concern there is like, I think Dan Lanning's a very good coach. I think he would bring the recruiting aspect to it. It's just, can you do at Michigan what you were doing at Georgia and what you're currently doing at Oregon? I don't think you can. Now watch Jim Harbaugh at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time (laughs) come out with a statement. Whatever. Angry. Angry statement. And all the fake news media that were just like writing him off, especially that cover three podcast. Again, I would like to reiterate that I think Jim Harbaugh will still be the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines next season. All all things to take into consideration. Um, One one last piece, speaking of the other college football playoff semifinal uh, loser from Saturday night, Bud brought up a... Uh, a good question within the instant reaction show. And, you know, I, with some more time to ruminate on it, I just wanted to, to come back for one final thought. Do you think that Ryan day in the performance in the performance of the Buckeyes has righted his position with the Ohio state fan base? Mm, no, the scars of losing to Michigan two years in a row are a little bit deeper than looking really good except for about 20 to 27 minutes. I think I think getting blown out by Georgia makes things a lot worse if that's what happened. I think losing close cools things down. But if they go into next season and they're winning all their games and they get to the final game of the regular season and they lose to Michigan again, right back in the same spot. And Ryan Day has also said, I don't know if you guys saw, like he told, so I can't remember who he said it to, but he's apparently giving up play calling duties. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I felt like he called the damn game of his life against Georgia. It feels like an odd time to do that. Did but- you see the sideline reactions? He was looking like he was calling the game of his oh, hell yeah. His career was on the line yeah. with every single so, play call in that game. I don't know. I just, it's you, you have to, it's, we talked about with the Michigan job a minute ago. You know, if you're, if you're competing with Ohio state, you're winning the big 10, you can be there a long time. And I've said this on this show before, Winning the national titles is a goal at Ohio State. It is not the most important thing to that fan base. It is beating Michigan, winning winning the Big Ten, and then playing for national titles. Yeah, the other but if two he would first. This year, if he would have won, I think it would have solved everything. Because the, the 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 problem, I, the, the criticisms <laughs> I Michigan hear again, though. Yeah, but the criticisms that I get or I hear, and I'm sure you guys are the same. Are you know he can't win without. Urban Meyer's players and Urban Meyer was able to win, but Urban Meyer also won the national championship. I think that's the standard that they set. He also beat Michigan, but I think it would have erased a lot of concerns clearly if they would have won the championship. What's wild about this is that if it wasn't for a timeout called with a millisecond left of the official being able to hear Kirby Smart from calling it, we might have been saying that was the best coaching move that we've seen from calling a fake punt in your own territory that would have swung the momentum and probably sealed them the game. The fact that it didn't, like that's just the breaks of being a college football coach because it was that close. I think that game was that that play was so significant in the game as far as momentum and what they would have been able to control and more time, even if they didn't score. I would have been, you know, have you heard Kirby talk about it since? 
Kirby said w South Carolina got us with a fake punt. Auburn tried it and almost got us with a fake punt. Like they knew that they were vulnerable from their own self scouting and that if they had seen, you know, anything that looks like a fake punt, like that was already like built into the game plan. Like we've been got, we're not going to get got again right here. And that's what tipped them off and decided to run and call that timeout. Self scouting. Pace. Yeah. But it, you got any any last? They don't stop all those polo shirts too up there oh, yelling man, at you. <laughs> yeah, I mean Kirby's history of fake punts is pretty poor. I mean, you go back to the Justin SEC. Fields thing, obviously. Like maybe things are turning around. Um, I don't. I'm not convinced that Ohio State's administration is in the same spot that its fans are. As far as like, I I mean, I was just I was never in on the on the idea that that Ryan Day would be gone if he lost to Michigan for a third straight year. Uh, not oh, not at the look. <laughs> he'd be gone. All right, let's bet on it. Because yeah. I, I I think Michigan will be favored favored next year. It's at the big house. Really? Are you sure they're only in Columbus? Which is I think are, I think Ohio are they, State are they fading or are they going to be favored? I, mean, I think they're going to be favored. Like based oh, on it's Ohio in Ohio State Arbor, loses, right. yeah, it's in Ann Arbor. Ohio State's going to lose both tackles to the pros. They lose CJ. I assume Marvin Harrison will play football next year, but I mean I don't know that. And I don't, I don't know. You never not, know those soft tissue injuries. Not if you yeah, listen right, to whoever exactly. else is giving it. We already saw what happened here this year. Um. I mean, like you. Well, you had uh, who's the guy that works on Big Ten Network? Old, old Michigan State coach, uh, Denardo. Denardo. Yeah. He was tweeting like it's unfair that Marvin Harrison has to play another year of college football when he, when he's clearly like ready to go to go be an NFL star. So it is. I agree with that. Totally agree. No. Yeah. Like there's certain the kids NFL, that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like okay. I mean, Fournette could have played in the NFL as an 18 year old just yes. physically. Like we, we were at the Clowny. opening. We saw Clowney could have. Fournette could have. Like there's probably about one kid a year that's like at 18. He doesn't need to play college ball. It's very am, rare, but we're getting derailed here. But I'm at the point where I used to think that three year rule was good and it made sense because physically so many people can't, you know, kids just aren't ready. But we're kind of getting to a place now with kind of like just being able to, you know, physically prepare people and just train them and strengthen them. That I think I say let the market decide. If a kid wants to try to go to the NFL after Same. one year, amen. Go. So one and done. The NFL will tell. I'd them. say out of high school too, if you really want to try it. Mm -hmm. Good luck. You know, there'd be a couple kids each year that that, that would get picked up just yeah. because they're so talented. And like the NFL kids, the NFL might not, you know, actually play them in year one. They might just like value having their potential so much that they draft them out of high school. But the the limiting factor here is the roster size. We wouldn't have fifty kids out of high school. We'd mm -hmm. probably have one or two out of high school that would get picked. You know what I mean? And oftentimes it would be a running back because like. The best years of those kids' lives are probably like nineteen to twenty-three, typically, or twenty-four. Mm -hmm. You know, and we also give, give the schools a chance to hold on to. Question. We what? We talked about that on a cover three mailbag question. Yeah, where we said there will be certain positions where it will never happen, and certain positions where it will happen more often, just based on skill set, physical development. That yes, there would be players that are selected straight out of high school every single year, but it just you know, isn't going to necessarily be the the top of the recruiting rankings. It'll be a little bit more specific than that. Like Chris yeah, Jones. I remember like, like the, the guy on the Chiefs who played for Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing him for the first time in person at Under Armour and be like, why does this guy need to go play college football? Like, I know, I know he's raw, but like physically, other people don't, like other humans don't look like Chris Jones. <laughs> you know, it just, yeah, it, it'd still be rare. Uh, I, or Sorry, 53-man roster, not 56, I guess. Okay, thank you, Chet. Uh, what's 56? I don't know. It's seven times eight. 
Lawrence key Taylor. number for totals. <laughs> Day school kids. <laughs> North Carolina education for you. All right. That's right. Coming up, on the, that's online. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, uh, we got a little bit of information on some injury updates for TCU in Georgia. What's our level of concern and a peek into Tom's final bowl rankings and some some of our favorite moments so far uh, from the bowl season. All that and more next. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. So we got a couple dogs that are a little bit banged up. Darnell Washington obviously left the game with an injury. Lad McConkey's been dealing with some injuries, though he did uh, play in the game. Uh, A.D. Mitchell coming back and obviously coming up with a, a big catch uh, in that game. <clears throat> uh, offensive line, I know we got a couple uh, nicks along the way. On the TCU side of this, Condre Miller, the 1,300-yard running back who left the game with an injury and did not return. Uh, he is listed as questionable. The quote from Sonny Dykes is that he feels good, but we'll see how things develop for the game. There's a, a backup running back, Amari DiMarcado, who was very productive in his absence, running for more than 100 yards, but still something to be considered with Miller being absent. From the little bit of information we've got in terms of some of these injuries coming out of the semifinals, what is the most notable or concerning to y'all? I think it's Washington because of the ability to play their 12 personnel and that creates an extra gap in the surface. And I do think that just schematically here and in a way that I know Michigan probably intended to, but Michigan had a, had a tight end injury earlier in that game as well. And their tight ends are just flat out, not as good as Georgia's. So if Georgia could play it's 12 personnel with Bowers and Washington, that does create the extra gap immediately. It widens the surface that does make it harder math here for TCU to stay in its stacks. Like if you follow guys who, who talk about three, three, five online a lot, this is not like an original take of mine, but they are like one of the nightmare scenarios for a three, three, five to play is a really like a, a 12 personnel team with two stud tight ends, which is exactly what Georgia has. That's why I said, I think TCU would much rather play Ohio state than Georgia because just schematically like Ohio state looks more like a big 12 team in terms of what they do than, than, than Georgia does. So Washington, for me, is the biggest one to monitor. Totally agree. I mean, trying to account for just Washington or just Bowers is hard enough. Um, Washington brings an element in the rush game that I think is incredibly you know, important. Um, he's the better blocking tight end. But then if you're just trying to cover them alone, it's hard enough to find a defender, you know, one guy who can line up with a, with a tight end that can run like Bowers. And then if you have to worry about two guys that can run routes and get in the open field – 
I think it's um it's definitely an issue for Georgia. There's still, I mean, there's a reason why they're favored like they are, but I think it does it does it impacts their offensive attack. Yeah, I I agree with you guys. I think that I think Miller, if you look at production for TCU, has been the far more productive player in TCU's offense than Washington has been at Georgia's offense. I just think that for this matchup, like you guys have gone over, I think Washington is very important to what Georgia wants to do offensively to take advantage of TCU's defense and try to find an edge. And I also think, you know, Miller missed most of the game against Michigan. Di Mercado came in and played pretty well. Now, are they the same as receivers out of the backfield? I don't know. I haven't really seen enough of Di Mercado getting it to know, like, is there some stuff they can and can't do with him that they can do with Miller? That could be impactful, but I just think, by and large, it's always easier to replace a running back than it is most other positions. A couple other uh, thing, things to note. We'll get into that in Thursday's preview, um, including did Tommy Eichenberg got picked on a lot, didn't he? Yeah, but I mean, does TCU have the athleticism at the linebacker position to be able to handle some of those versatile, like sort of singled out type situations? I mean, yes and no. I don't know how many linebackers there are on the planet who can really handle that. You know what I I mean? Like they had to stay in their base stuff and couldn't play the nickel as much as they wanted because of some of the mismatches that Georgia Georgia presents you. I, I, Mm -hmm. I think is. That kind of goes back to our point of, of why Washington was so important. Also, like we love Kendry Miller on this show. Like, I, if you, we were not one of these these shows out there that was like Sonny Dykes is an idiot. You know, should have just snuck it every time. Like Kendry Miller is a legitimately very good goal line back and a physical guy and a really good pass pro guy. Good you know, player. Demarcado actually had some good pass pro later in the game, but the first rep he's in there, Dougie oh, got smoked, blown yeah. up. Yeah, he just totally missed it. So, and I'm not saying that that Miller definitely would have got that, but. I think the odds say it's more likely that he would have picked it up than 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 the guy who totally olayed it. So, uh, yeah, these are things to watch. I, I don't know, Chip. Like that's a really interesting thing. I, I think you know how much confusion will they create for for Brock Bowers and you know can Georgia just run it on him? I, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, these are we've uh, I've got this afternoon set aside to dig into some of these you know burning questions, like a list of things that I want to th- be able to have a, a more confident take on. So I don't want to. Spoil tomorrow's show while we still uh, still have some time to be able to prepare for that. So almost all of the games of the postseason are done. Once we get the national championship done, we will have our bowl season superlatives. But Tom Fernelli has gone on CBSSports.com. You can go find the you can go find uh, the rankings right now. He has ranked every single bowl game. He does it beforehand. He does it afterwards. It is a labor of love, question mark? Yeah, love. Okay. Love it. Love um, it. So, Tom, uh, so Tom, my, my question to you is, where does the Cotton Bowl fall? Because that was one of my favorite college football games that I have watched the entire daggum season. And not just because of the 15-point in the final four minutes because Tulane was down 14, nothing tied it. They were down 28, 14, brought it back to 28, 24. It was exhausting. The swings in this game. And of course, Tulane gets the final, uh, the final say, where did the green waves win against USC fall? Wow. Lincoln Riley team with no idea how to finish. Um, Weird. Uh, 
I, first of all, I'm hurt that you haven't already read the post and you have to ask me where the cotton bowl was. I mean, He's creating drama. Did, I thought we were friends. Did, oh. Didn't it just get published this morning? I'm looking at it. What were you doing this morning? Welcome uh, to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about this on the podcast. Shouldn't reading the story be part of your prep? Anyway, I digress. Two. Cotton Bowl's at number two. That's fair. What's number one? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> one of the two semifinals is it Michigan's win over, I mean, TCU's win what? over Michigan <laughs> or TCU's win over Ohio State? It's the one that ended at midnight as the new year began and needed a last second field goal attempt after a bunch of scores late. It's Georgia 42, Ohio State 41. That's uh, number one. I think, um, I, th I think if you want to go just on pure insanity and entertainment value, I mean, I think they're both close. I think you can make an argument for the Cotton Bowl in that sense, but I think that with the stakes, you can't rank anything but the Peach Bowl number one. What were some of the uh, – so Tom's again put this in. You can go check it out at cbssports.com. Danny, Bud, what are some of the, the bowl games that have stood out to you as some of your favorites? And they can be sicko. They can be big brands. Like any angle you want, some of your personal favorites. Hello, cheese it Bowl. <laughs> and I love that Tom got it, you know, the do. The do. And this was cheese Bowl 1.0, right? This was the first mm -hmm. cheese Bowl. You got to keep yeah. track of them. But the Florida State-Oklahoma game was a ton of fun. Like, thankfully, Florida State came out on the right side. We were sweating it out for a long time in that game, go down early. thought that was an incredibly fun, entertaining game. Um, I'm not going to point out that – the last 15 or so games were pretty garbage and we probably could have done without them because I don't want to get into that debate now. But Wait, the last 15? The last 15? Yeah, the bottom 15. The bottom so 15. Bottom oh. 15. Yeah, we because probably could have do done without that, those. Well, you college know. football did So you want to get rid of the Citrus Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl? Do you want to get rid of all those games? <laughs> no, I want to get rid of bad matchups. Um, you just want to get rid of everything before December 27th. That would be awesome. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's like if you're from a, a small conference, Danny wants you out. If you don't have eight wins, I want you to have your own playoff. I want you to have your own playoff, which we could play in the Liberty Bell Bowl or whatever it is. <laughs> the Liberty, <laughs> Liberty Bell's in Philadelphia. The Liberty Bowl's in Memphis. <laughs> Liberty rings from coast one. to coast, my friends. <laughs> I'd like to see um, a return to the old bowl system where the bowls bid on who they wanted and – like, I think you'd need to talk to some schools say, hey, like, who do you have opting out, right? Like, who, who will actually be playing for you in this game? And LSU had a couple opt-outs, but Purdue basically didn't show up, right? Well, they did bring the drum, though, to halftime. So, course, number, shout, shouts for that. Your number 41 bowl game, spoiler alert, the Citrus Bowl, LSU 56, Purdue. Did Purdue get a – yeah, 56 to 7? Yeah, they was it? 63 to 7. To seven. Yep. Yeah. Um, like, Maryland-NC State was a terrible game to watch. Ultimately, like it was, it was some good defense, but also just like incompetent offense consistently. Man, like that was not oh, good Florida entertainment. In state, See, right? Like Florida didn't didn't care to be there. You know, like you, they probably wish they pulled a Miami. You approached the Duke's Mayo Bowl the absolute wrong way. Did you not realize what was happening? Both uh, coaches were throwing the game. They yeah. were trying <laughs> to lose. They did not want the mayonnaise bath. <laughs> That's and then I Mike mean, Loxley wearing that giant hat. Is further proof he did not want the mayonnaise bath. That both of those teams were making some decisions that were kind of odd. Mm. We need I, to put yeah, the I giant hat trend to bed quickly. Oh. No, please, no. Yes, it's the dumbest. <laughs> I, really I, there have been so many dumb trends. I will let the giant hat live here. I want to see Chip host the show. 
and a giant hat with a cover three logo. Yeah, now we got Brian Robinson, one. right? Yeah. Well, is it well, Brian see. Robinson's got a friend who's yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in okay. DC. I want I hey, want buddy, Chip to wear a giant hat with like some 30 inch Jinkos. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I will Dan, wear do you have Jinkos? I don't. Okay. Um, you know, our way back, Tom, where did you have the lending tree bowl for Southern Miss Rice? Because that was actually really exciting. Yeah, I had the lending tree bowl at 17. Okay. That's a pretty good bowl season, considering all these opt-outs and stuff we've had. If the lender lending tree bowl is 17, that's that's pretty quality, man. There's also, I mean, this is where this is one of the reasons it's irritated me, is because I do think it's a crapshoot, and it's one of the reasons Bud goes AWOL when we start picking them. Like the um the UCLA Pitt game, the Sun Bowl, was phenomenal. And no mm-hmm. one thought Pitt had a chance, myself included, was like Pitt has nobody there, you know? And then all of a sudden they come out and win the game outright when, you know, similar to the USC Tulane game with the win probabilities were at like 97% for UCLA. Pitt comes back. Um, it's phenomenal. So there are there are definitely an out of 43 games, you're gonna get some good games, but I don't think that justifies having 43. It's a whole nother. Okay, I do not 31. think that UCLA threw that game. Okay, like I'm not conspiracy theorist here, but I'm saying, <laughs> but if you watch that game, that's you probably your takeaway. Yeah, like, like <laughs> I mean, just the 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 location of the interceptions that they came on first and goal, you know, the fumbling the kickoff, just very very uh, strange happenings there. Now I know they didn't throw it; they just like because I've watched other UCLA games, right? I've seen DTR just not see dudes over the middle several times. I've seen we watched UCLA- them play Bowling Green. Correct. I've I've seen UCLA receivers have passes hit off their hands and go for picks. That's hard to coordinate, right? Like if you're throwing the game, you're not doing it like, hey, don't catch this ball, tip it up in the air and have somebody else, uh, you know, on the other team catch it. But just that was one of the more remarkable uh, like losses that I think you'll ever see. I mean, just, we need to have. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was gonna say we need to have Jordan edit that into a short, but edit it where you say I'm not saying that UCLA <laughs> threw the game. Jordan, edit a short where it's just Bud saying UCLA threw the game and then put what he's saying there about how they threw the game. Let's put that up on YouTube. It could be one of our most watched videos ever. (laughs) Yes. Actually, that sounds like a good superlative for next Wednesday when it's like the bowl game that we are most convinced have been thrown. Most suspect bowl game. (laughs) Oh, man. Do you have a uh, most didn't want to be there award for the teams that actually did show up? Florida. I well, go back Florida. and look at the dude number thirty three rushing the passer. Well, Washington even... State pretty high up there for me. Washington uh, State didn't want to be there. Ah, uh, no. Purdue did not want to be. Yeah, there. Purdue. Yeah. Purdue. Purdue is probably the winner. Cincinnati seemed like they were trying. They just all their good players were gone. Yeah, Cincinnati, Cincinnati tried for a half, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The quit level went like sky high. Like, we're going to give this a shot. I mean, that was the, you know, we always say you wait till the pads get popping and then you get to see who cares. It was mm-hmm. like they fought for a little bit, caught a couple bad breaks. It was raining. They were in Boston. They're like, yeah, all right. Let's Houston in a winning effort. <laughs> want to be there. Remarkable. <laughs> Coastal quit after. You know, After Grayson went down coastal, Grayson went down there like oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah, we, we, we might have more on the Oklahoma State situation coming. That might up be here. a segment. 
Yeah, yeah, we we need to dig into that a little bit more, and uh, and and we'll be hitting on that. Uh, a reminder that uh, if you want to jump in, we are going to in the aftermath of the, the national championship game really start digging back into that big old bag of mail. Maybe you're an Oklahoma State fan and you have some pointed questions. The best way to do that is leave us a five star review. In that review, put your question. We'll be back 11 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday live at youtube.com slash cover three with our full college football playoff national championship game preview, the matchups to watch, the X factors, the angles that we're keeping our eyes on, and of course, our best bets. So come and hang out with us Thursday, 11 a.m. for the CFP national championship game preview. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott3. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.